0: Welcome to Vet Talk with Royal Canaan, where we address an array of topics relevant to veterinarians and veterinary clinics. I'm Brenda Andreessen, Chief Strategy Officer at Stevenson Associates and your host for this conversation. Veterinarians often choose their career path fueled by a passion to help animals that really begins at a young age, but the necessary education is expensive and many students finish school with a large amount of debt. This debt coupled with pay that hasn't kept pace with the cost of living or other career opportunities can place tremendous pressure on graduates. On today's episode of That Talk with Royal Canaan, we will discuss the impact that debt has on graduating students, the various types of loans available, and how loan forgiveness works. Joining me today on the podcast are certified student loan professional and consultant and student loan planner, Megan Landris. Welcome, Megan. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. It's going to be a good conversation. And also joining us is Royal Canaan Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Brent Mayab. Welcome, Brent.
1: Thanks. Glad to be here.
0: So let's dig right into this. And Brent, I want to start with you. You have a really well rounded view of the veterinary profession. So, what, in your opinion, has led to the rise in student debt? And what kinds of impact from that debt are you seeing?
1: That's a great question, Brenda. I mean, what is the source of this? And I I don't think it's any single thing. I think there are a lot of factors. You know, the first factor is just as with everything else, increased cost over time. So I think it's, you know, more expensive, you know, to educate students now than it has in the past. But in talking to the administrations and the deans at veterinary schools, one thing that, you know, often comes up is the decrease in state support that has happened over time. And so you know, everybody's budgets are tight. And so states are decreasing the amount of funding that they've given to veterinary schools. Now, the, the mission of the schools hasn't changed <laughs> accordingly. And so the, the vet schools are still charged with educating students, with doing research, you know, with all the things they've been doing in the past, but now with less funding coming in to do it. So there's, there's a gap and, and the deans, you know, they work really hard to find ways to cover the gap. But one of the, you know, potential ways of doing it is is a change in student tuition and so I think that's played a big role is just the vet schools are not funded the same way they used to be by by their states.
0: So it's fortunate then because it looks like debt is not going to go away for our veterinary students that there are a variety of types of loan payments that can be arranged so Megan with will you tell us a little bit about what those loan types are and when each is most appropriate.
2: Yeah, so there's really two different types of loans that you could have. We could have either federal loans, which is the vast majority of folks will have a federal loan, um, or you could have private student loans. And uh, under private student loans, pretty simple, you pay the loans off in that specific schedule that you committed to when you borrowed the loan. So 10 years, 20 years at either a fixed or a variable interest rate. The federal system gets a little more... I won't say complicated, but there's more options you have within the federal system as we could either go on an income driven plan, which makes the payment uh, a portion of or or derives the payment uh, from your income, either 10 to 20 percent, depending on the plan. Uh, or you could do kind of a, a standard you know, uh, pay down schedule similar to the private loans where you pay it off in a specific period of time as far out as actually 30 years on either a fixed repayment plan where the payment does not change or a graduated plan where it increases every two years is usually the schedule. Income-driven plans can be really helpful, especially in the first couple years of working because we're having income coming in where we might still be looking for an opportunity. And so basing the payment off of what you're currently bringing in can be helpful to, to just be able to make a payment and keep the loans current versus putting them into forbearance and pausing payments where interest accrues. But a really great rule of thumb to know if you should be going on an income-driven plan long-term or not would be is if your balance is much greater than your annual income then and, and likely will be for the foreseeable future the income-driven plan can be a safe haven. Why that is, is we make payments based off of our income, and there's also forgiveness that we can pursue on an income-driven plan. The second part to that rule of thumb is if your balance is about the same or lower than your annual income, then we might wanna go on one of those fixed plans or or the the amortized options that pay it off in a specific period of time. So that's maybe a good way to think about where you stand and which route you should maybe consider going long-term.
0: Okay. All right. So, so where then does the idea of debt forgiveness come in and how does that impact? How do veterinarians use that or take advantage of that?
2: Yeah. So each one of those income driven repayment plans has what's called a maximum repayment period. And what that means is you make the equivalent of 20 or 25 years of payments, which I know sounds like a long time, <laughs> but uh, 20 or 25 years, you make payments, and then whatever balance is left over at the end of that time frame is forgiven. Now, there's also a program called Public Service Loan Forgiveness, uh, where if you're working for a government entity, you're working in a nonprofit or a 501c3 then you can achieve forgiveness by being on an income driven plan after making 120 payments so it's a much shorter time frame but it takes that service commitment to to fall under that umbrella to be able to pursue PSLF all
0: right so it's it's also complicated so thank you for taking time to help you know help help us navigate a little bit of this so i'm going to complicate it even further now and talk a little bit about covid and how that has specifically impacted students lately What's happening with student loans
2: with COVID in the mix? Yeah, so folks who were in repayment uh, during COVID, uh, we we saw well, we saw a lot of changes. Actually, <laughs> this has been a, a crazy year. So if you don't have whiplash, uh, power to you. But um, initially, when when COVID was hitting us really hard in March of 2020, they first froze interest. So they were saying that interest wouldn't accrue on federal student loans, um, which was nice, but it wasn't really going to help people who were losing their jobs at the time. And then um, towards the end of March, they implemented uh, as part of the CARES Act that all federal student loan payments would be paused. So they'd shut them off automatically. Interest would be at 0%. And originally the time frame was September uh, 2020. It was going to expire at that point. Um, and so people who were in repayment didn't have to make payments. If they were pursuing a forgiveness timeline, it still counted. Those months still counted towards forgiveness, which was really nice. Then it got extended to December Uh, and then it got extended again to January. (laughs) And now we have another extension to September of 2021. So payments and interest will kick back in for those who were in repayment or who had recently graduated or graduated over 2020. Your first payment's gonna be due post-September 30th, so sometime in October. Um, So those are some of the, the big changes impacting payments and interest uh, as borrowers know it today, and even as students know it, because they saw their interest go down to 0% temporarily.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the recent COVID stimulus bill, another recent change, right? And the impact that it has on taxes on student loan forgiveness. How does that all work? And what does that mean for veterinary students?
2: Yeah, that was really interesting. There had been a lot of talk about loan cancellation or loan forgiveness. And it never really made its way into a stimulus package, um, still hasn't. And um, so at first, they were talking about full cancellation of all student loans, which I don't think our country can afford. Um, and then it was maybe 50000 for borrowers. And Biden specifically said he would not be doing that. And now what's still maybe on the table is 10000 of loan forgiveness. And that's still talk at this point. Um, so it could either be universally, which means for everybody who has federal student loans, um, or it could be, we're thinking at this time, it might be for folks in high need. So someone who's still unemployed or someone who is in default status on their loans or makes below a certain income threshold. Um, but in those conversations, they realized, well, shoot, you know, if we, uh, if we cancel debt, that's going to be a taxable event in any event. So, you know, if, if student loans are canceled at any rate, there's going to be a taxable consequence and people are going to get a 1099 for that next tax year <laughs> and not prepared for it. So, they went ahead and snuck that language into the most recent stimulus package where any canceled or forgiven student loans um, until December 2025 would not be taxable. So, it is somewhat temporary. But it sets a really big precedence um, because the forgiveness I was talking about earlier, the longer-term forgiveness on an income-driven plan, loans that are forgiven after 20 or 25 years, that balance that's forgiven could be taxable. This makes us think maybe they're going to eliminate that tax implication permanently. It's not set in stone, of course, because it expires uh, December 31st, 2025, but you know that could be a really big deal for folks going that longer term route. Public service loan forgiveness already has the the tax free forgiveness, so they are not taxed on it. But very interesting stuff that could change some some things really, <laughs> really greatly.
0: Always <laughs> oh, interesting when politics come into play, right? So yes, stay tuned. It sounds like on on all of that, and really watch what's what what's going on in the world around us. Brent, you have some very specific experience in this particular area. Would you like to share a little bit of that with uh, with our listeners?
1: Sure. So, you know, coming out of vet school, I, I had no financial acumen whatsoever. I had no understanding of any of this stuff. And I was just so blessed because one of the veterinarians in the practice that I went to work for one night said, Hey, can you stay after work for a little bit? I want to talk to you about something. And so I did it. And he started to talk to me about finances and not in a kind of get in your business sort of way, but he's like, you know, have you started to think about, you know, how you're going to pay your loans off, you know, your retirement, that sort of thing. And I, you know, I kind of came from a family that didn't really have a good understanding of money. So I I didn't have any of that. And so, you know, he introduced me to some things and he, and he showed me some Uh, information and I'll never forget it It was kind of funny because he said um, he told me about a Roth IRA and he said did you know that if you put you know the maximum in after a certain number of years you could have a million dollars and I just thought this guy's crazy there's no way a veterinarian can ever have a million dollars you know that just doesn't even compute with me but then he showed me the math and it and it worked out and it really it really sort of changed my trajectory and how i thought about you know finances and and so you know with that i started kind of reading on my own but it but it was that it was that that advice from someone sitting down and taking an interest and just saying hey have you thought about this and kind of provoking the question because we're not taught about personal finance anywhere in the vet school curriculum and so you know i think sometimes as vets, maybe we're a little embarrassed that we don't really know about money. And, and this for me kind of helped me get past that and, and start learning about it and start reading about it and, and you know, bridging it back to student loans. I then made a plan to pay off my loans early. And, and so, you know, it it was not easy for sure. Um, I can tell you, but but it it started right there with with that discussion and and how to how to get there.
0: That was such a great, you know, such a great story, I think, and an example. to so don't be afraid to ask. And if you're the person with the advice, don't be afraid to offer it. So let's switch gears a little bit here. There are some recent research findings that I wanted to talk about a little bit. So do the findings show that the payment and interest freeze that is happening,
2: has that eliminated student loan anxiety to any degree? So the research we had done uh, through Student Loan Planner um not really. It's it's really a split response. We got uh, about half and half. Some folks said yes. Some folks say no. And I think a lot of that, I think, boils down to the fact that a lot of um, highly educated professionals, they might have had a really brief impact to their income, but the unemployment rates for folks with graduate degrees are low. And so, payments being paused is is almost like a bonus for a lot of people. And it doesn't change the fact that after this extension is lifted and the payments kick back in, doesn't change the fact that their balance is what it is and their future payments are what they are. So I think I could kind of understand maybe the split, you know, thought on that is, yeah, it helps now, but it's not going to solve the bigger problem, which is how do we repay these later?
0: That's not going away. You're right. So did the research show anything with regard to, you know, what kind of obstacle or what kind of feeling student debt has most contributed to?
2: So anxiety is probably the biggest reported feeling. Anxiety, depression. And some of the reasons for that are some of the the things that that cause that feeling um, are the the feeling that you're that someone's never going to get ahead. They're not going to be able to save for retirement they're not going to be able to travel or live their life because they're strapped with with student loan debt. And so a lot of those things contribute to that that anxiety and that depression, feeling like they they went to school to do something that they they love, but financially speaking it's not, you know, it's not a a green pasture, I guess you could say, which, you know, there's lots of things I can say to, to <laughs> plug, hey, a plan is going to help you with this. The behavioral impact of student loan debt and the amounts that people are strapped with, it, it's significant. And, you know, it's, that's something that should be addressed.
0: doesn't go away. Well, this, this really leads into, you know, the, the profession as a whole has really in recent years become acutely aware of the emotional and mental concerns that come along with being in veterinary practice, probably more than any other occupation, except perhaps dentistry. So, you know, Brent, I'd like your perspective on that impact of debt. Is, would you say that's the biggest factor that's impacting mental health this year, or is it a combination of things?
1: Well, it's certainly a big factor. And maybe if I could go back and give a little personal color to, to what Megan just said. I mean, when I came out of vet school, I had twice the level of debt as to my income. And so, you know, it's I mean, it's tough because you, you do feel trapped, I think, is a good way to think about it is is, you know, as Megan said, you you wonder when you're going to get to start, you know, quote unquote, living your life because you are pretty hampered by that. And I remember, you know, just even thinking about things that, you know, wh- where, where are you going to get groceries because who's got the best coupons this week or the best sales on stuff. And that's not a bad thing, I, I, you know, but but it is like everything kind of like you sort of go back to how much is this going to cost? How much is this going to cost kind of thing? Because at least initially, especially right out of school, you have no slack in your budget. You have you have no way to absorb any of the many things that life's probably going to throw your way, especially if you're starting a family, that, that sort of thing. So I mean, honestly, even talking to you guys about it's getting a little bit stressful to remember back during that time. Um, But, you know, as you said, there are other professions that go through this, but I think, you know, what gets added on as veterinarians is not just the financial stress, but also the other stresses of the job. And, um, you know, I think some of those may be different than other professions that that we have to deal with. And when you put it all together, I think it's got a lot of impact. So if I then have a flash forward until today, I definitely think the financial piece is still playing a big role with folks. What I would say during COVID is, gosh, you know, you can talk to anyone out there right now, practices are so busy and, you know, there's a lot of factors with that. Everything's taking longer, especially if some variation of your service right now still includes curbside but even if it doesn't things are still taking longer and then you couple that with you know the good news which is a lot of people have adopted pets during COVID but now more pets are going to vet clinics and so now you have a day that's completely fully booked and you have no room for anything else that might come in on emergency and if it does it's going to put you way behind and and people were patient with that at first but my sense is um, they're not quite as patient with the waiting any longer. And, and just, you know, you start to compound that and it's, it's a tough situation. I'm, I'm really personally concerned that there's going to be a wave of, of people leaving the profession, not changing jobs, but literally leaving the profession as a result of all this, because it's, it's, it's a bit of a pressure cooker right now.
0: So it's nice to know there are some options to help relieve, or at least manage some of that debt related stress, but it doesn't sound as if it's, it's not going to be a cure-all for sure, right? There's, so much else to it. So, um, we've talked about a lot of really interesting things here today. I think that there's some hopeful information combined with, I think, a, a little bit of a, a fair warning that there is no way to quickly solve this particular problem. So, as we begin to wrap up here, I would just love to see are there any final thoughts from either of you for our listeners from the collective conversation
2: we've had? Megan? I'd really love to end on a positive note and just stress the importance of having a plan for your student loans. So often folks try to avoid their loan situation, just hoping that things get better, hoping that income gets higher, hoping their financial situation changes. When, you know, those things could certainly happen, but that's not a proactive way to look at your loan situation today. And there are a lot of really great things, really positive things we can do today that can set you up for success later. And I also find that once we have a plan for the student loans it makes it really easy to move on or or free up space in your mind to think about other things. Like, you know, once we know what our path is for the student loans, you know, how much can we start putting towards retirement? Or how much could we start saving for that trip we've always wanted to go on? You know, so it really helps just map out, you know, that's the starting point, I feel like. It, It starts... To map out the rest of your financial life, if you could just, you know, focus on the the worst elephant or the biggest elephant in the room, which is the the biggest hurdle to do, but it will definitely reap some really great rewards by just helping you be able to move on, move past that. Not to say that you have to pay have it paid off before you can move on to other things, but having the plan is what's going to give you the the confidence to move on and start focusing on other things. So I'll I'll have that as my last plug.
0: Yep, excellent advice. Absolutely. Brent, any final thoughts from you?
1: Yeah, I, it's actually very similar to what Megan just said. I mean, I think a couple of things have come out in our conversation today. And one is really the complexity around student loans. And the, the thing is, is, you know, my guess is in most situations. There's no class or there's nothing on this to learn. And, and so people don't necessarily know where to go to start. And I, I think the good news is that's okay. We have experts like Megan that you can turn to and you can ask. I mean, you know, there's there's you'll you'll hear people talk about different rules of thumb or, you know, if this, then this. And and that's great, you know, if that works for you, but but don't be afraid to, en- to engage someone and ask. And I think I would probably broaden this out a little more. To personal finance in general and and again i think there's a sense of you know people don't know where to start but they're a little bit maybe scared to ask or in some cases it's it's just as megan was saying you're scared to lean into it because it's just so daunting Um, or you know maybe they don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about and i'd say you know let's get past that because you know um just just you know, seek the right people for help. There's there's financial advisors, there's financial counselors, there's there's, there's people like Megan in student loans, but there's a lot of people out there who can really help you and, and you can get through this. And I'm not just saying this sort of in a cheerleader way. I'm saying this is what happened to me is until someone, you know, sat me down and talked to me about finances and helped me make a plan, just as Megan said, I was really sort of spinning as well, thinking, you know, h- how am I going to manage all this but once you get a plan and you work the plan, I, I'm not saying everything is great beyond that point, but but you at least have a direction and you're working in that direction and you can you can sort of adjust things as you go and, and then you'll get there. And I think that's that's the good news out of today.
0: That's good. I mean, great advice from both of you. And so Megan Landrys and Dr. Brett Mayhem, thank you very much for taking time today to talk about this really difficult and complicated topic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.